0: Teachers will generally rather give longer wait time for kids that they think know the answer than kids that they think don't know the answer. So, you know, the, the smart kid at the front, you know, Sally, what do you think? You wait, you're wait, waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Ray up the back, oh, no, okay, we'll move on. And they do it probably because i think it's grace and you know let's not embarrass the person but you know having been on the receiving end of that that's like you just don't think i'm smart like you're not giving me any time here you know so it's it's such a it's a hard it's you know (laughs) we make mistakes
1: Ashanti and welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast, where men get real. Men of all ages and backgrounds come to this space to talk about these masks we wear. When we talk about the front of the mask, we're talking about the things that we gladly let the world see, the things that we talk about a lot. The back of the mask are the things that we don't share much about. Maybe, uh, Maybe we're not hiding them, but no one ever asks. They never come up. Today, sharing his mask is Dr. Ray Swan. Uh, I'm going to read a part of his bio because I want to make sure I get some of these details right. Um, Ray is the executive director of the foundation for positive masculinity. It's a nonprofit based in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, I see pronouncing it Melbourne, Melbourne. <laughs> it's a, it's a nonprofit based in Melbourne, Australia. Ray is the host of the understanding boys podcast and author of a book called the seven stories planting seeds for positive masculinities. Um, This book is a book of um, mindfulness stories um, and practices for boys. And I think it's really beautiful. Um, And I've I've seen some of the art in the book, but I haven't read it yet. But that's coming soon. Um, One of the things that we talked about in this podcast, not only about identity and about theater, but he brought up um, a poem or a, a play by Shakespeare. I don't know how much you know about Shakespeare. I know you don't know how much of an expert I am on Shakespeare, but I'm not. And, but I am uh, interested in, in learning new things, definitely things that have been written a long time ago that really still resonate today. And in this play called As You Like It, uh, there's a monologue by Jacques. Um, and it starts with this phrase you probably heard before, all the world's a stage. All the world's a stage. But I'm going to read you the first few lines of Jacques. <laughs> I'm going to read you the first line of Jacques' uh, monologue it says all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players they have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts his acts being seven ages and that gets into this idea of this seven ages of men and what a powerful you know learning for me like i went and did some homework on this i was i was on like multiple websites trying to learn about this I was hoping to, like, memorize this entrance to Jacques' um, monologue. Uh, it, it's powerful. Um, and I'm going to probably have these first five or six lines memorized pretty easy. But um, what a journey of conversation around not only what words have been put out into the world, you know, hundreds of years ago that still resonate today. What are the ages of men? And what when our work in Ever Forward Club, we were focused on the, the schoolboy age, While they were in school, before they went off to adulthood and before they went off and maybe created a family or things like that, we were in that work. And in this conversation, you'll hear Ray passionate about supporting boys' healthy masculinity. Um, They have a conference in Australia um, called um, Plus, I mean, I don't know how you say the name. It's Positive Masculinity. They have a conference in Australia that I'm hoping to uh, one day get to. And so maybe that's what's going to happen in 2024. Maybe 2024 is our revisit back to Australia, but definitely our connection with people doing this work around the world. Because not only are people passionate about this topic, but they also recognize that we have a part to play in grazing boys who understand their role is more than what the TV or the social media says it is. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Ray Swan. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think it was just the beginning of this connection with not only himself, but people that he knows in this work. And it's our revisit back to um, our some beautiful times we had in Australia um, in the early part of the 100,000 Mask Challenge before it became the Million Mask Movement. So we'll see you soon, folks. Please enjoy today's episode. And listen... Ray and I are sharing our masks publicly. You don't have to. You can share yours anonymously at millionmask.org. And we look forward to you being a part of this journey with us. We'll see you soon, folks. Ray Swan, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. So glad to have you. Thank you so
0: much, Ashanti. It's great to be here.
1: I'm glad you're here with us. So I would like you to introduce yourself, tell folks what you want them to know about you when we will jump into these masks.
0: Yeah. So my name is Ray, um, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, which is down the bottom, you know, down the bottom, down the bottom, you know, so we're in, we're the southern kind of part of Australia. Um, 51 years old, um, I'm a dad, I've got a couple of kids. Um, my boy is just turned 21, he's in a, a, an apprentice in construction, so he does carpentry. My daughter just finished schooling and she just got into um, like a law business course that she wants to do down here. I mean, in Australia, you know, they stay pretty local. So we're, we're, we kind of got the little family thing happening for a few more years yet while they sort of keep figuring stuff out. And in my working life, I do lots of different things. Um, I've been t- and still work as a teacher, um, teach teachers and teach kids, do a lot of work with boys. Um, I run a foundation called the Foundation for Positive Masculinity, which is about using research to kind of find ways to help kids to connect to healthy ways to be you know in this world and it's such a a world of you know change and you know messaging and you know like what are the kids learning and seeing and you know who are some people that are sort of standing up using research just trying to do and say and figure out some things like some some pointer posts that people can start to look at so been working on that for a few years and that's kind of coming out of the ground last year and into this year And the other thing probably about me that I really, um, I don't know if I want people to know, but it's just part of who I am, I really love like probably like a lot of people down here, like we love the water, you know, so I'm in the water a lot. I don't live too far from the water, so I swim a lot and I dive and surf and I just, you know, the more in that. Something about it just really seems to change my being, you know. I just feel at home when I'm, you know, (laughs) in the water. So there's a little bit about me.
1: Thank you for sharing that. First of all, I really appreciate that. I I love the water too. So maybe we'll have a, maybe a a ocean story will come up on this conversation. I'll tell you one quick story about um, uh, Brandon Clift, uh, who um, hosts a podcast with the Mankind Project. Mm. He invited me out to uh, uh, Gold Coast and we went to Surfers Paradise, Surfers Paradise. And we were making masks with people. We were trying to invite people to make masks. And, uh, and the police came and kicked us out because they said we didn't have a permit. (laughs) I was like, dude, you about to get me arrested in Australia because we don't have no permit to make masks with people. I didn't know you have to have a permit to talk to people on the street. Yeah. He was like, so anyway, that's my, uh, the the beach was beautiful though. The beach was beautiful. (laughs) The beach was beautiful. So that's my uh, one beach story, uh, in, uh, in Australia. So in melbourne but i haven't. I didn't go to the beach in melbourne so is, is is the water different in melbourne than it is in in other parts of the of the island
0: yeah yeah it's cool it's a lot cooler um so okay. you know gold coast the water is like really beautiful and warm very you know temperate i was actually up there uh not quite as far as the gold coast but um there's a great spot called crescent head which is mid-central new south wales coast and we drive up and you know stay by the water and all that but down here in melbourne there's a bay it's a bit like san francisco bay and then that's where I swim, and that's got very little waves, for it quite, um, but quite cold. It gets quite cold in winter, um, and then there's a sort of surf beaches on two sides because uh, Victoria's kind of got the bay, and then it's got these two kind of um, peninsulas, if you like. So depending on which way the yeah. wind goes and all that, you can kind of find a, a happy place um, down the beach, which is great.
1: Well, you know, we're about to make these masks, and uh, since you're the guest, you get to decide who goes first. You get to decide: do you want to you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, what, what what what's what's calling you in today? You know what? I think I'm just gonna jump right in. Okay, all right. <laughs> Into the water. <laughs> Fantastic, I, I like it. Let's. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm ready. Okay.
0: All right. Um, you know, the funny first funny thing was drawing. You know, I thought, oh, I, I'm not a very good drawer, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm to draw a mask. You would think it's really straight straightforward. But, yeah, even that was was a, a little bit, um, bit of a challenge. And I put a head behind it because I thought that would be cool. And also I've done a bit of mask work. So one of the things I didn't say in my intro is, like, I run a little theatre company and we do shows, um, you know, solo shows and we used to run workshops for men and creativity and stuff like that and there's a bit around mask work that we we've done and you know when I was a student I studied I used to teach drama as well and teaching about like what mask means and representation so I I kind of felt like I needed the head in it Mm. you know because the head is kind of it's actually a whole other thing right you know you're sensing you know and sometimes you get that disconnect between well hang on you know, and what's integrity? You know, like you kind of visit, is that alignment around that? And when people are wearing different masks, are the ones they so I started thinking about a lot. And I thought, no, hang on, just do a simple, a simple drawing. Yeah. And then I was thinking about, you know, is it a happy, you know, because then you got the classic, you know, Greek mask, so happy and the sad, and you know, tragedy and comedy. And, you know, I started thinking about that. and I was like, no, no, just try and, you know, just keep it simple. So then I thought about well, what are the things, you know, like what are the things I want to sort of show, I guess. And the three things that kind of came up for me, one was that just being calm and, um, you know, I think as a man, you know, whether it's relative just to how I grew up or, you know, the kind of men that I know, just having, being someone who's calm, you know, and able to, someone once said to me, you know, with a man you should be able to be near them when they're angry and not feel scared, you know, so having a sense of just being calm is, I think is really important and the work I do and, you know, I spend a lot of time, I you know, coach people and, um, you know, teach people and, you know, support people. And so being calm is something I, I kind of want to have as a as a lead thing. The second one was about being hardworking. And, you know, I've, I feel a lot of gratitude for where I am in my life. I've had a lot of, you know, opportunities and, you know, all sorts of things have come my way, you know, just simply by, you know, people that I've known or, you know, how I was, where I grew up and all of that. And you know, I've really felt that I have an obligation, you know, to kind of work hard and to to earn that as well. You know, going back, my grandfather he um, didn't wasn't able to get a uh, an education. He grew up in the, I guess, the shadow really of the Great Depression. He had to leave home. You know, like a bit at the time. You know, he left home when he was, I don't know. Well, he didn't leave home, but he had to leave school rather when he was like, you know, thirteen and try and get a job. You know, lining up every day you know, for six months trying to find work and then couldn't study. and His brother got put in an orphanage because they couldn't afford to keep him. And mm-hmm. Anyway, when he was uh, still alive and he was he's my mum's dad, he wanted the kids, like all of us, to go to good schools. So he actually paid. And in Australia, like private schooling is pretty big in Australia, like a, it's like 30 or 40% of the population do it. Like it's kind of a bigger thing. And anyway, it's expensive, but he paid for it because he was like, you know, I just think mm. this is important. you know you need to learn things and you know the education is going to set you free of you know limiting beliefs and all those kinds of things. and um, so I've always felt like yeah hard working is important. I've gotten a little bit of trouble with that a bit to be honest. It's yeah. <laughs> not the other yeah. side, but you know like just that's something to think about. And the other one was just about being, you know, engaged, like I feel it's really important to be present to people Mm. and, um, you know, in the busyness of life, just actually trying to find that anchor where I'm here, if we're talking, I'm going to stop and actually really try and pay attention. I don't always do it, you know, I I always fall short of that, but, you know, just just trying to actually be someone who is going to hold that space because I've noticed in myself that, you know those real moments. Sometimes it can be in your whole day, and you rewind and you go, "Wow, that person!" You know, like you're doing your shopping, and there's like someone in the queue. Just you know, you drop something, and someone passes it and smiles, and they're just there. You know, and you're like, "Wow, you just you're so there." So being engaged for me is something that I've you know I want to try and you know sort of bring out or put out, um, I suppose, on the front of the mask.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as I was listening to you and really just trying to, in that moment, even just driving it, trying to be really present. Um, I was telling you before we started recording that I try and make the mask like right before I start, because I want to like really be right in the moment. And so um, when you said the word engaged, um, like being present, being right, right with the person, I think, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there on my front of my mask. So mm-hmm. i sh- <laughs> We have a couple, a lot of things in common. But here's yeah. here's a there's a new mask I'm I'm working okay. on. This is a it's a mask. But um, hardworking, I wrote passionate, and I wrote emotions. And and I think the reason I wrote emotions. Um, last night I had dinner with a uh, with a friend, uh, colleague, and and like I'm at this uh, you know Korean barbecue place. You know with the hot plate in front of you that you're cooking on and. And there was something he said, and I was like, I heard it, Mm. and I felt it, and I was trying to like, do I stuff it? Do I stuff the feeling that's coming out from this thing I just heard? And I was like, and I said, if I just if I don't talk, then I can just like ride the wave of that emotion that's passing through, you know, some sadness. Mm. And I just, but I didn't want to be silent. I mean, if I'm silent enough, then no one knows that I'm really feeling what you said like somebody being calm, right? You don't, they're like they're angry, but you don't feel scared around them, right? And I think it goes true for me also being in the fake of being sad. Like if I'm calm enough and I'm quiet enough, no one knows that I'm feeling these things. So I just keep it all, you know, yeah, stoic and bottled up. But in the moment, the reason I, really think I wrote emotions is because I was like, like in that dinner, in the short time of dinner, I, I think I cried twice. I'm like, "What's going on with you, Ashanti? What's <laughs> happening?" But I think because I I was engaged in the conversation, I let myself feel. I didn't like, I didn't disconnect from heart and head. Yeah, which which I'm very good at. I'm very good at sending the head and the facts, the data, the numbers, the facts, the data, the numbers. Did it work? Did it not work? Is it working? Is it you know all these things? But to like let the head and the heart stay connected. That. Well, actually, I'm not really mad about that. I'm actually more sad about that, but I'm used to turning it into mad because the metrics makes me have to be focused on the getting it done, right, the the, the stuff. And so, uh, yeah, that's what was really present for me when you wrote the word engaged. I like that word. Uh, I didn't know another word to write besides emotions because um, I think definitely when I was a teenager, I would never have told people that I show emotions because I didn't, I didn't know I had any emotions except mm-hmm. anger. Mm. and maybe funny sometimes you know but (laughs) or like i don't care whatever i don't care i don't care um but yeah those are the three and um that's what resonates to me right now
0: can i ask you with calm like you know when i said it and just with what you said i was thinking well like calm can sometimes i guess suggest that you're controlled and i didn't mean that bit i just meant that you know to your point about being at dinner and, and being able to be able to sit with that emotion and decide like, you know, right way, right place, right time, like is now mm. the right time? Am I safe? Am I, you know, able to, um, you know, to share this and go there? And, you know, like that. that's probably Im- embedded in the word calm for me as well, like mm. that actually it's like, well, it's okay. You know, these these the storms come and doesn't mean you're never going to feel it, but like there's, it's like, I don't know, maybe there's a bit more flow or it's a bit more, you know, it, it, because i've I found like particularly when I was younger like you know it would just be like you said there's a polarity of you know there's anger happy and this great void in the middle and you know certainly a lot of kids that I work with especially the young men like there's just no there's no words there's no stories there's no there's nothing in this middle bit to kind of carry that experience you know you try and peg it to something and, and it's, just, it's just nothing so you just go back to anger or or you make a joke out of it, you know, like that's kind of what you know, you know, that sort of, and it's like, it's not, it's it's not an empty vessel. I mean, it's empty in the sense that it feels empty, but it's the complete opposite. It's like, just, you know, I just want to be able to put this somewhere. Um, And so I guess finding calm has been, you know, whether it's, you know, through prayer or whether it's through, I don't know, meditation or whether it's through, you know, and by prayer, I mean, you know, contemplation or just, you know, well wishing, you know, that's helped, you know, over the years um, with the calm. I I don't know what's calm. What is it? What did it, how did you receive that, the calm bit?
1: I sometimes, um, as I I heard you say it, I was like, okay. And then what I heard you say after was like, you know, like there's a, I'm not sure who you said said it, but you said something like, like somebody can be angry and people, won't be scared to be around you right yeah and I think I think calm if I'm on the outside like just like like nothing it almost sometimes feels like I'm around people who are so calm that I'm like don't you feel this don't you feel the world <laughs> don't you feel what's happening in the world and they're just like yeah you know okay it's okay and I'm like no <laughs> like I so I think sometimes I'm like yeah uh, but I but I but I under I get it I get it like and I always like trying to feel, I think the question you asked also is, am I safe to express this feeling I have here? Am I am I safe to express with this person that I feel I feel anger and rage about these topics that are happening in our world or in my city or in, with, with young people or older, with, whatever it may be. And if I'm around somebody who is not able to make, either make space for those, for that, for the feeling, or they're downplaying it for whatever reason, either it's for their own, you know, ability not to feel it or for, they don't feel it at all. Right. And, and so I have to then say, Oh, okay, my feelings aren't going to be welcome here. So I'll back them off. Uh-huh. And then it's easier just to like change the topic. Right. Just have yeah. another conversation. So I think as a teacher, if you'd ever thought about when people would describe me as a when I was a teacher, I don't think they would describe me as a calm teacher. Like if you don't do your homework, <laughs> I take it serious. Yeah. Like if you, if you're talking while I'm talking, I take it serious. Right now I'm not taking it, you know, What what's the level of serious to different people. Right. And I think I would see some teachers who there could be like all kind of madness going on and they're just like, doo, 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 doo. and I'm like, how do you do that? How do you? And so I think like, you know, I, yeah, I don't know where it really came up, but I just know that that was one of the, but I really recognize this idea that, Oh, when I'm, when I'm, when when I'm angry and I'm showing I'm calm, I'm wearing that mask. Yeah, I'm putting on that mask of calm yeah. because I know that my anger sometimes is a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm a tall guy. I'm a, I'm a big guy, so I have to also decide: is it safe to share? Yeah. So I may have to. I have to make. Have to put on the calm mask, so that no one knows that deep down I'm feeling some really you know intense feelings. Yeah. 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 Thanks for asking that thanks for asking that um are you ready to go to the back you ready let's do it okay all right all about the back
0: here we go here we
1: go all
0: right so these qualities that I don't let people see so I don't let people see that I I, I do feel really sensitive a lot of the time you know like I'm sensitive to noise and to smell and all sorts of crazy Like, some things people would just be like, oh, really? Like, does that really bug you when I chew? Like, who cares? You know? (laughs) It's like, yeah. It's like, I can't. Yeah, I don't even know why. You know, I'm trying to be calm here. (laughs) Anyway, the second one I wrote was like, I wrote characters' voices, and I'm not suggesting, you know, uh, it's not something I'm trying to manage. But I think when I grew up, you know, I... You know, I did a lot of work in theater and a lot of performing and i i I think one of my mechanisms for figuring out how to cope with the world was sort of to try on different ways of being you know by playing mm-hmm. for characters you know and they kind of you know whether it was mimicry or impersonation or you know whatever and largely and certainly with the solo shows that I've done i mean largely they're driven by characters that just kind of you just wanting to be expressed you know which I think is a reasonably common thing but i know for me i get it can get a bit noisy sometimes and as i've gotten into my older age i've realized that actually there's a there's a thing around it which i just need it's like just a like a health practice that i just need to do and it does relate to art you know an art practice like if i'm doing more of that that kind of bubbly bubbling brook of characters and whatever it kind of seems to find a home whereas like I was doing a show, like I did a show last year. Was it last year? And um, all of it, just it was quiet. Like I, when I was doing the run of the show, like I just, all of the stuff, all the crazy, you know, stuff, it just all went away. And then, like, literally, I finished the season on the Saturday. We bumped it out on a Sunday. Monday morning, I woke up, and blah, 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 there it was. You know, so i just, but that was like, you know, I remember like that was a like 50 when I figured that out. You know, and like just finding a home. You know, around that. Um, yeah. you know, the last one is just sad and melancholic, you know, and you talked about sadness um, as well, you know, and your emotions and, you know, this thing about trying to be calm, but actually look what the, you know, what the F's going on. And yeah, i you know, there's a, I think he's an English poet, D.H. Lawrence, he spent some time in Australia. He talks about these deep wounds to the soul you know, mm. and life's difficult repentance. And it's like, I, I, I think my, man, I think my preset is melancholia sometimes, you know, like, and, and I don't even know that it's a bad thing. Like, you know, there's a character in, um, in, as you like, one of Shakespeare's plays, um, he's called the melancholy Jacques, you know, mm. and he just kind of cruises around in the, in the forest, you know, he does the seven ages of man speech, you know, the you know, the early age. He sort of talks his philosophy and he's, he's cruising around, in the you know, like for us in the bush, you know, down here in Australia. This guy is a melancholy shark, you know, you just go and talk to him and that's a melancholy shark. He's fine. But in our culture, it's like, no, 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 you can't be sad and melancholy. Like you need to lighten up a bit, you know, you got to have have a laugh and, you know, stop seeing the world in this way or stop doing that. And and actually, you know, I don't really want people to know that, yeah, sometimes, yeah, like some days, it's like it's hard to get the show on the road. You know, it really is.
1: I love the way you say that. It's hard sometimes. It's hard to get the show on the road. I think. I mean, that's a, a acting metaphor or acting uh, phraseology, right? <laughs> but I, but I'm gonna, actually going to look up this story. I mean, I, I don't know about the Shakespeare play as you like, or Melancholy Jock, or Seven Ages of Man. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that today for sure. It's on my list. Um, I think one thing that stood out to me with that you described the back that really just resonated was this deep wound of the soul. Deep wound of the soul. And I think that those have been probably some of the things that I think have been blocking some of my own idea about being creative. When you talked about the voices, I'm like like when I hear people say stuff in politics which is really heavy right now in here in the U S Um like, I, I, I wonder like, do they believe this? Like, I wonder, yeah. I wonder, like, do, do you, like I, and actually as you were saying that, I was like, I wonder how do you act out those words from other people? Like, like, does that just does that roll off your tongue naturally? Or do you practice that saying things like that? Do you, do you practice Making fun of people and calling people names—is that a normal thing that for some people is just the way they are? And I'm, I'm, I, I find that hard for me, mm. right? I don't, I don't. And so I think about that a lot, and I'm, so a lot, a lot came up as you were saying that. So it connects to the back of mine too. Um, but I'm going, to check out, I'm going to definitely check out that. Point. Who, who, who wrote Deep Wounds of the Soul? You said J.H. Lawrence or someone? D.H. Lawrence. yeah. He, a, it's a quote. Um, I'll send it to you. He, he's, he's talking about being
0: unwell, and he's sort of saying that I'm not simply – basically what the first part of the quote is, is he's sort of talking about, like, I'm not, I'm not unwell because, I've, you know, I've got, like, a cold. I, I'm unwell because I'm not a machine, you know. And this is like – I don't know. He wrote this 100 years ago, I think. And he's talking about like I'm not just I'm not a, a part of this mechanism like I'm not a robot. He doesn't say that, but that's what I took from it. You know, I'm not. I'm actually the reason I'm unwell is because of that. I'm, I'm well because of these deep wounds to the soul. And then there's this life. You know, mm. it's what he describes as, as the difficult repentance. You know, and it's trying to make sense of it. And I guess the thing I was saying, you know, about the voices is it. It's like. For me, as a kid growing up, like the, the household that I grew up in, it wasn't clear always what was actually going on. Like there was a, a kind of overbearing uncertainty in terms of the reality of, of what was going on. And that was kind of part of the, the nature of the home environment was you didn't really know what people were saying, if it was right or, you know, whatever. So I think for me, I just latched on to, you know, trying to, you know, embody different ways. I thought, well, if we can get inside this character, maybe I can start to understand, you know, what they're thinking, you know, like yeah. it, it wasn't so much to, to mock or ridicule, although that has happened, you know, and sending people up and absolutely, you know, I'm guilty of doing all that, even in my, in my mind and, you know, and performing. And that's a really interesting space. But it was really, it really came from this thing. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, Truth telling, like you know, trying to to reach that that point of truth and and knowing, and how do you approach it? You know, you're watching a a politician, and they're kind of they've got their media statements and their little grabs, and they've been trained, and they know all that, and and you're trying to penetrate, you know, and you're trying to say, you know, what sits behind that? You know, there's a a politician who just he's just retired from politics. He's on the um, on the right side of politics, so I guess the republic side you know he was the prime minister during the pandemic and you know there was i was listening to the you know the national broadcaster doing like kind of you know talking about his career and just trying to figure people saying yeah but what was he really like you know this guy's a public figure and you know i'm thinking about my own you know what and so i'm thinking you know i've to you know play the guy like how does he sort of you know appear and i'm trying to get my head inside it and you know it's a yeah it's fascinating all that stuff you know understanding people.
1: Yeah. I imagine as a teacher or educator, you know, for teaching teachers and then teaching students, I would love to ask more about that in a minute. But as you are watching students who either are glad asking questions because they stuck and then those who you, you can see it on their face that they're stuck, but they're, you know, they're not asking questions. you like, are there any questions? And you're like, you sure? And you don't want to like point that person out, but their their wrinkles in their forehead and the whatever, all the all the things that kind of come out in our bodies, like, or maybe they're under the table, like kicking and screaming, right? But they're like, no, I don't have any questions. <laughs> I'm just stretching over here, right? And you're like, yeah, oh, uh, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I'm good. I'm good. And they're like, no, I'm good. You know, they wave you off in the moment because they don't want to be pointed out. But you're like, man, it's coming through your body that you may need something and you're resisting and you're like, you know, okay, I, I don't want to force you. I don't want to, I want to, you know, but I think I wonder about those, like when the soul is trying to get what it needs. Yeah. How are there people who actually can handle it and, and are willing to hear it and accept it? And I, I sometimes wonder about that in a lot of ways, you know, about, about this work, you know, this work of talking to people about what they really feel, you know, um, so, and it's it comes down to the truth thing because the truth thing in that exact
0: instance, you know, you ask the kid like, "Do you understand?" And they're like, "Yeah." And you're like, "No, you don't." Like, you yeah. Know. So there's two truths there. Like, truth one is they don't understand. Truth two is that they don't they don't feel safe to ask the question. You know, so as a teacher, as an educator, or whatever, or a counselor, or a facilitator, or whatever, it's like, well. There's two things happening here and, you know, which one am I going to support? And that's why I always think you come back to the, the whole person and, you know, and, and time. in this. it's interesting research in classes, you know, have measured wait time. So the wait time and take-up time, you probably remember as a teacher, you know, like how long do you – you may – you probably know this, but anyways, just make the point. The um, – like wait time and teacher time is that teachers will genuinely – or gen, generally rather – give longer wait time for kids that they think know the answer than kids that they think don't know the answer. So, you know, the, the smart kid at the front, you, you know, Sally, what do you think? You wait, you're wait, waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Ray, up the back, oh, no, okay, we'll move on. And they do it probably because they think it's grace and, you know, let's not embarrass the person. But, you know, having been on the receiving end of that, that's like you just don't think I'm smart. Like, you're not giving me any time here, you know? So it's it's such a, it's a hard, it's, you know, <laughs> we make mistakes.
1: Oh, man. I mean, I think it's a very powerful statement. Like when you have a student who you think knows how long you wait for them, like I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm really proud of how much I wait. Cause I, yeah. I can just sit in silence. When I became an administrator and I was training teachers, I'd be like, I, you know, I would start counting, I ask a question. I would start counting one, and, two, and it'd be like less than two seconds. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, and I said, do you, do you know how long you wait for people to answer a question when you ask them? Mm. And they're like, one, two. I'm like, two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, right now, in this the way, you answering that question took longer than you gave three or four of those students. Because as soon as they answer, as soon as you ask, you were, like, waiting for words to, like, fill in the gap. And so I really wanted teachers, and I really encouraged them to just take a breath. Mm -hmm. like something like but to not give people a chance to even hear the question fully process the question and then find some ways to think about anyway that's that's more teacher pedagogy stuff but i think that that idea of it is so important right because it's also like oh i don't even or if this or if the student knows how you're going to do it they know that they they just say silent for a few seconds and you're going to move on anyway then it becomes like are you really Having a good litmus test of how students are understanding. Or, mm-hmm. you know, teachers say, like, Everyone got it? Everyone understand? Okay, good. We'll move on. And you're like, Yeah. Okay, yeah, you you didn't even wait two seconds for yeah. anyone to potentially get their hand up in the air of saying, No, not me, right? But those are the ones that that stand out. And I think when you said Yeah, something you said about wait time, but I was really ste- stepping into that thought process of like when we ask people how they're doing, right? Like, if they know that we don't really have time, then maybe I'm going to give you the easy, frictionless answer that's just going to keep it moving, right? I'm going to just keep it moving. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Great. Everything's great. Right? And so, therefore, I could go around all day thinking, everyone here is doing great. Everyone in my everyone in my class, right? But you did you didn't really, you asked the question, but you didn't make space for the answers, right? And I think those are important things to know, too, you know. Um, let me show the back and then we'll jump in because I think we're already in it. Like you're like, I'm going to just make sure I, so, cause it resonated a lot in the back of mine. Um, my messy writing it says fear of failure, sadness, and worry. And I think those resonated a lot to me. Um, just kind of when you, um, share the back of yours, you know, I think when I think about being sensitive, like, and not, not ever growing up, being able to share it, but finding those ways of like. sharing it as an adult like the sadness like the the soul feels or the you know and i think sadness about lots of things that are happening in in the world but so and family stuff and 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 some things i'm trying to like not deal with i'm not i'm not trying to deal with i'm trying to like i'm trying to be the, the the social entrepreneur who's leading this organization who's trying to do something big in the world i'm trying i'm trying not to make it about me and I, and I think last night at dinner, one of the statements I said was that, uh, that, that stood, that came to some tears. I, I said something like, um, it almost feels, I think when I think about either writing a book or I think about making videos for social media, uh, it almost feels like, um, I, I take this work really personal because like, who am I? if I'm not leading this movement, like I think I have attached my value so deeply connected to this work that I'm doing that if this movement doesn't work, it feels like a direct, I feel it, it's coming. Um, I feel it directly. In my soul, <laughs> I feel the. I feel like when I left engineering to become a teacher, I didn't think, "Oh, I'm gonna become a teacher so I can start this global movement, so I can change the world." I was like, "My heart's calling me to teach," so I came to teach. And then when I left teaching to start this this or non you know to lead this nonprofit, I've been just kind of following what my heart is saying. Mm-hmm. But because I were in an organization that has a structure of like you got to fundraise, you have to, all these things you have to do to keep the organization running. Like I didn't get in, I didn't do this work to be trying to figure out how to fill out forms. (laughs) I (laughs) got into this work because there were young men in my community who were struggling. Yeah. And I think I've had to force myself to spend time in, Uh, when I talk to business people, they're like, hey, you got to spend more time on the business, not in the business. Yeah. Yeah but I didn't start this to do stuff on the business. I started this to mentor young men to be healthy in their, their own best selves. But as a leader, I have to, I have to do the, the business. I have to work on the business. I know that. And I think trying to find that balance. And since I don't spend enough time on the business and the business stuff, then the business doesn't, it, it can't really survive. You know, you have to like, And so who you know, so maybe I gotta find that person who comes in and takes care of the business stuff so I can take care of the the other stuff. And I think it's just trying to find those layers, you know? Mm. You know, so anyway, though that's the back of the mask and those are the things that are like really fresh because it just came up last night, but yeah.
0: Do you notice like having done, you know, so many masks, does it does it change for you or are there kind of meta themes that kind of show up, you know, in in your masks?
1: Yeah, when you started describing what you drew and why you drew it, I was like, "I I was that's so beautiful, right?" Like, you 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 gave yourself from you know you gave that room to like, oh, here's why I drew it like this, and here's what I was thinking about like that. I had to. That's why I started doing the masks in the moment because I think what I was doing for a long time is I was just writing these words, and probably fear of failure shows up probably in most of my masks. I actually didn't even realize I wrote fear of failure today. Yeah, until I was already about to start reading, I was like. Oh, wait wait a minute. That's, that's one that I write often. Cause I think it's, it's sometimes like right here behind the surface of all this hard work, you know? And that's what hard work is. The hard work is because I don't want to fail. Mm. And so they're, they're really tightly connected. Uh, so I think that, yes, I've looked through, you know, I have all the masks I've made for the show and I was actually looking through them the other day and I'm like, what am I going to do with these? They're sitting here, right? Oh my, some of them are here, they're over there. What am I going to do with these? Right? Like do, I got it's just a stack of paper right now, but do I, I don't know. So that's a good question. I'm maybe to be able to go through them and kind of do a, do some investigation of where it is. I, um, after the first year is when, um, our engineer, he was on the show and he said, can you do me a favor? He said, can you just, um, like make your mask? Like, can you try and use words you've never used before? <laughs> and it really made me be really present. Like, yeah. oh, okay. How do, so that I'm not ap- operating out of this, just you know, meta, like just oh, it's the way I always do it, right? It's the word I always right.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. How was it for you? How was it for you making the mask? Was it? Did it feel simple, challenging?
0: Yeah, it felt pretty challenging. I reckon it forced me to really think, uh, you know, because it's also three qualities. Like, there's probably like I don't know, there's probably a hundred qualities I don't want people to know about me. <laughs> So, um, you know, there's a lot of hiding going on, man.
1: <laughs> I'm that man. I'm that yeah, man. I'm
0: guilty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, so I found that that was hard. I also, I think, you know, I probably bought a lot of, you know, it, like for me, the mask, it's, it's, a you know, relates to my understanding of the persona, you know, and that kind of what's the exchange. What's my sort of exchange between, you know, this world the inner world and the outer world you know someone once said to me you know the outer world is so vast it seems limitless but guess what the inner world is exactly the same like it's so yeah, there's a threshold line you know and that's your consciousness but then of your consciousness and what you think you know of yourself then there's your you know there's your persona or your mask what you the deal that you make and so there's so much stuff that doesn't get it run you know like i don't know if you have that expression in the states but you know get a run you know get on the ground to use a sporting metaphor like um, You know, there's a lot of stuff that is in me that I don't get to do that I'd be happy to share that, you know, actually just time and, you know, I don't know, like just who I am and what, what I think people think about me and, you know, worrying about that and fear of failure like you and like there's a lot of things. Yeah, it would, it would be great to do more of that or, you know, and probably for the last couple of years like that's something that's been a bit more important to me because I I probably let some of the things the creative things like I was sharing about you know just managing the the noise and the noise is a lot I think it's a lot easier when um when I do more of the creative stuff one of the insights I got was um I'm going to give you another poem just because that's kind of how I think but Yes. In the last part, there's a a great poem from the 20th century called "The Waste Land" by T.S. Eliot, and he's an American Mm. guy. He was born in Boston. He goes over to to London to kind of make it as a as a poem and a poet, I should say. And anyway, he's he's got this deal that he's always doing because he's trying to. He's a banker, and like you know, he's trying to find a way to get this poems published, and you know, like that whole thing. And it's amazing. You read his letters from you know, the 1920s, and he's that's all he's talking about. He's written, he's written the greatest poem of the 20th century, you know, some would say. And in, meanwhile, he's actually just thinking about, hey, you know, how am I going to make a buck and how do I, you know, can I do this for real? And, but in the last part of the poem, it, it's a very eclectic kind of poem. It's, it's quite hard to penetrate. But he studied at Harvard and, and he studied Hinduism and Sanskrit, and he hmm. encounters this message of, you know, samsara and the great sort of wheel. And in the last part of the poem, what they talk about is, the the thunder god Prajapati is like um is asking these questions and he asks the questions, you know, what is it, you know, what is it what is a good life really? And he asks humans, he asks the devils, and he asks the gods. And so in the poem he says, Da Data, you know, in Sanskrit, and he asks the humans. And the humans say, Well a good life is to give, because by the nature humans are usually selfish. Then he asks the devils, you know, what is it? and the devils say well you got to have you got to have empathy you know cuz they're very just wanting to do their own you know, kind of run around do whatever the hell they want you know like folk you know like n- not really aware of other people so having empathy and the third one which really hit me um, last year was cuz when I was doing the I was actually this was the performance I did was based on this poem it was the poem the last one was about uh, the gods and the gods Project Party says to the gods, you know, do you understand, and the gods say, "Damyata," um, which means um, to have regulation, you know, to have self-regulation. And the poem after that says, um, the boat responded to the hand expert with sail and oar. My heart would have responded gaily when invited, beating obedient to controlling hands. And really what the poet is suggesting is that, you know, to live this life, you're kind of making these you got to kind of think, you got to be intentional. You're making these, you know, you live with regulation. That's what the Sanskrit is suggesting is ancient text of wisdom is saying you kind of have to, you know, you, there's there's going to be these things and you need to choose and, uh, and apply them. That's what I took from it anyway.
1: Mm, thank you for that. I, I, I actually like poetry. I don't, you know, I, I think I'm going to, these are all I'm going to have to go back and read and take them in, uh, nuggets, you know. Um, they are nuggets. <laughs> they are nuggets, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I um I lived in India um after um well, I taught for 5 years and I did a Fulbright fellowship in India teaching math. And so I learned a lot that I didn't hear I didn't ever heard this story. So um or I never heard of the poem from DS Eliot or knew his story, but um I'm going to look it up, right? Like to to learn more, right? Cuz I would go to these temples and I would see all this stuff and I would just be like in all of all the colors and all the sculptures and um but it didn't have a lot of you know historical context, a lot of it, and I mean it had some a little bit of knowledge, but not deep, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah it, it when you when you started mentioning that, I was like, okay, that's a story I don't know, so i'm gonna so thank you for that, and I think you know you as a as a performer, would i don't know if i was that the right term if I call you as a yeah, performer, yeah. yeah, as a performer and you just you, you rattled you that off like 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 you're performing it right now i was like uh-huh. oh man <laughs> like i was I was sitting in it i was sitting in it right um like i wonder how that has helped you or how it has as um created a lens as you see the the men you work with or you learn from as you, in, in the foundation you know as you think about like how you know, for your own self first, but also as you are asking questions or seeing how they respond to things, or you know, whether it's teacher students or or any way, like how does that, how does that knowledge of of you as a performer, how does that help you as you see people show up in your office or in front of you? Does that does that does that create a, a depth of of understanding as you watch people? respond to like you said the one the student said no i'm fine i don't, I don't have any questions right <laughs> and you like yeah I can. They're, they're both can be true right yes 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 okay you don't feel safe to say it but everything in you is trying to say it right yeah. And and and, the, and they're both being true at the same time
0: yeah that's uh, a great question i think there's probably a few things that spring to mind one is that you know i really believe that we're running all these stories all the time, you know, and we're thinking about stuff, and we're trying to be this, or we're trying to be that, and and how we respond to our lives is really determined by the story that we believe we're living. So, you know, someone comes home, and you know, there's been a fire and it's tragedy. How that person responds to that tragedy will will be directly determined not by the scientific facts, but it's going to be determined by the kinds of stories that they believe in an afterlife, or do they, you know, like how do they, you know, how do they think about all of those things. And I, I would say that, you know, over time I've probably collected a lot of stories because they, going back to my childhood and trying to figure out well, what's really happening, um, I think stories are really important to me because they actually were these, you know, what's the term, simplexity. They're simple but they're complex. You know, like you can tell a kid a story and you can say much more in that story indirectly than you could ever they were never going to listen to you directly, you know. I tell a story um, which I, I've discovered. It was a guy, um, Richard Wilhelm, who was a sinologist. He was um, he was one of the people that bought the, the I Ching from uh, the east to the west, you know, from China back across. And he tells a story of the rainmakers super quick. Basically, essentially what happens is he was literally in this village in China and it hadn't rained for ages. And the village is like, okay, we've got to get the rainmaker, right? So they're like, all right, let's get the rainmaker. And he's like, okay, this is, is going to be interesting. Is it, you know, Western dude? Like, you know, let's check out the rainmaker. Anyway, so this old old fellow turns up, right? Sniff around, kicks the grass, whatever, he, or the dust probably, goes and sits in this hut just outside the town. And I kid you not, according to the story, two days later it rains, right? And this guy, Richard Wilhelm, is like, you know, WTF. Like, what is going on? You know, like, what is going on here? So he goes out to talk to this guy and he says to him, like, you know, how did you make it rain? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, how did you make it rain? He goes, I don't know about anything about making it rain. I'll tell you what happened. I went to the town and everything was out of order and I felt out of order. So I just came into this hut. And I just got myself back in order and it rained. Now I've told that story to tons of kids. Right? They all they tell you amazing stuff. Little kids, you know, little seven year old boys, eight year old boys. Oh, the rain means crying or it means this. Or no, no, you gotta mm-hmm. just, you know, you get too around the world around you looks really bad when, you know, you feel bad. And it's like, you know, incredible. Like, that's such a simple story, but you know, so what? What stories are the you know the people that we're encountering? What What are they living into, and what roles are they playing? And importantly, you know, I'm just like a little bit character that's come on in you know Act Three, Scene Two. <laughs> you know, I'm the one that comes on with the with the drinks or something and puts them down, and then you know I'm out of their story. You know, I'm out of their movie for the you know for however long. You know, so I'm conscious of that as well. <laughs> mm.
1: Man, I got I got some homework to do tonight. Uh, <laughs> I got so I got I got some reading. I got some a reading list to, to get caught up on. I, re, I, I yeah, that that was powerful. And I had to wonder. I mean, I actually as I was thinking about that too. Like, what what is that? What does that mean? And and I think it maybe he says I I I saw some things out of order. I think I saw some things out of order. And I wonder how many men that I've met who would from the outside. Or who would be able to say like there's some things out of the order, there's some things out of order, like for my humanness, again, this man world that I live in that's told me I have to live in this box, but no one made room for that deep wound of the soul, right? no one made room for it, so therefore I've been like, just keep keeping bandages covering it, but it's not healing, so therefore it's just waiting for some some scrape against it, and now it's it's worse off than it was before because I, I didn't tend to it. I didn't. Oh man. Um, I was at this workshop in New York. I'll tell you this this past weekend and a kid, he wrote some, he wrote a reflection. Oh my God. It's how funny. It's a poem. It's a, it's not a poem, hey, but it's a poem, right? There it is. Uh, and he said, um, cause I was talking to them about emotions, you know, all these boys from all these different boroughs and different clubs. And, um, and he said this, he said, Uh, I'll show it to you, but I'll show you so you can see it's a kid's handwriting. But uh, for those of you who are just listening, it's like how people bury emotions to change and feel happy. But when you think about it, if you don't finish your dinner and you store it in the fridge, it's the cycle on how people bury emotions. Wow. And Still there. And imagine even with this analogy, right? Imagine what happens that you took the leftovers, you put them in the fridge. The fridge is there to protect them. You 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 put you bury them in your soul, you bury them in your your soul, you bury them and it will protect it for a certain amount of time. 1 week, 2 weeks, 3 weeks, 4 weeks, maybe 6 weeks and then something is going to start smelling. <laughs> Like there, there's gonna be some memory yeah, yeah. <laughs> that 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 thing has not been dealt with, and it may be in life, it may you may be able to store it for years and years and years, and then that that wound pops up in the when you least expect it. It's it hasn't been dealt with, or it may come back rushing out in in traffic because you're all these things you've stuffed, and now they're piled on top of each other, and like they're like a they're like uh, a, a a bomb, uh, a, a landmine. Yeah. And somebody didn't even try and step on it. They just bumped into you at the grocery store and now you've lost it. Right. I don't know what that kid meant by that, but that's how I took it. Right. This idea of like, what does it mean to put those away, to put them away for later? I can, okay, I don't have time to deal with them now. I'm going to take care of them later. But what happens when you don't take care of them? You know? Yeah. Hmm. For this young poet here from the Boys Club of New York, we're 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 sharing your words around the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I, I apologize. We we went over our time, but I am. I want to tell you, I am. I'm so thankful. It went so fast. I think the time went. So remember, I was telling you, I said I don't know how the conversation will go, but I do know that. What if we, what if what if we could find ways of giving men and young men places to have these conversations more regularly? So. Um, thank you. Is there anything you want to say to folks? I mean, how, first of all, I would like you to share with them how they can find you or the foundation that you're doing and the work you're doing. Um, but is there any last words you want to say to folks as we, as we close out?
0: I just really want to just thank you. You know, it's been great to, great to have this conversation and to, you know, to be real, I guess, you know, people listening, I just like how I feel now, you know, like I feel connected to you. I feel happy. I feel different, you know? So I guess the value of, being brave and i guess also i was really nervous you know i was really nervous and i was a bit you know a bit scared and fearful and and all those things so i kind of wrote it out and just approached it with a spirit of adventure and you know i'm just really grateful so thank you
1: thank you man thank you ray ray i'm so glad to have you here and um hey folks you know ray and i we shut our masks publicly but you don't have to show yours publicly we invite you to share yours anonymously at millionmask.org and um again once again ray thank you for being on the show and folks, we'll see you soon. Take care now. Bye now. The Taking Off The Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie and graphics by Kelly Wong. Guests are managed by Dan Paloma and the podcast is edited by Samuel Matingo. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. And for every guest has been a part of the show. You are now a part of the Taking Off The Mask family. The Taking Off The Mask podcast is brought to you by the Ever Forward Club. And if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share this with someone. We look forward to having more conversations that matter. And please remember, there is more to you than anybody can see by just looking at you.